Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to a Super Bloom podcast. Hi, it's me. I'm the host. It's me, Candace King. <laughs> oh, gosh, my heart is so full of joy after this conversation with Candace Nicholas Lipman. Yep, we get two Candaces today on the podcast. Candace, who I'm sitting down with, if you don't know who she is, Candace Nicholas Lipman is an actress, spoken word artist, and producer on the rise. She is making a name for herself in the entertainment industry and the literature space. Right now, you can catch Candace Nicholas Lipman in the lead role as Janelle in season two of Star's critically acclaimed musical drama series, Blind Spotting. It's so great. If you haven't seen it yet, both seasons are out right now. If you've got stars and if you don't, then get stars. What do you do? Just get stars. And do like the, the free trial for a moment so you can watch this incredible show. And Candace is no stranger to the stage. We're going to talk about her experience growing up in theater. And Candace is no stranger to the stage. Today, we're going to talk about how she got her start in theater, her work as a spoken word artist, as well as her one woman show, A Rose Called Candace, which is a 60 minute storytelling experience that received rave, fantastic reviews in LA following multiple successful runs, including being showcased in the 26th annual LA Women's Theater Festival in the spring of 2019. You can find her on social media at candace.nicholas.lipman. Oh, just buckle up, buttercups. We got a wonderful, inspiring talk for you today. 
please enjoy my interview with Candace Nicholas Lippman. Where are you? Where am I talking to you from? I am in L.A. How's L.A.? It's great. I love L.A. I, you know, I'm from Sacramento, but I, I, <laughs> I love living out here, even though it's more difficult, you know, in terms of living costs and stuff out here. Yeah. Yeah, no, that crazy. is always, yeah, it is insane. It is a whole other, I just, there's like some silly, ridiculous, like I'm not even on, I am technically on TikTok, but I don't really go on it. But there's one where everyone says like, it's, I think it's Kris Jenner going, it's wackadoodle time. And that's like, that keeps running in my head. And that's how I feel whenever I have to pay for anything in LA. I'm like, this uh-huh. is wackadoodle time. Like this does not make sense. Like how is LA with the writer's strike going on? You know, it, the whole industry is kind of at a standstill right now. How has it been? It's rough in these streets. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to say that it's really rough, but you know, I'm someone, I have a lot of faith and I have a lot of grind. So, you know, I'm just, I'm keeping the faith and I'm keeping (laughs) positive and I'm just like, God, you know, I'm just stay ready for when everything starts moving again. You know? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I know. I've I've been very, like, I've definitely had to recently recognize the timeline that I would like to plan out for myself and then mm-hmm. the timeline of God or the universe or whoever you want to call like your higher, you know, spiritual person. And it was like, it's, I kind of compare it to like, I had to, I was taking an Uber in New York and I had to get from one very far distance to the other very far distance. And I knew I was going to get there. I knew I was going to end up at that right. other spot. And yet right. here I am just continuously looking at the Uber, continuously updating my Apple Maps, trying to like, <laughs> as if me staring at the timer is going to make me get there any faster. Right. And I think like that's how it can feel in t- periods of time like this, I think, where it's like exactly what you're saying. You're like, I know we're going to get there. Like right now is just the in-between time. How do you handle in-between times? What What do you do to stay creative? I do things like, you know, making sure that I'm trying to stay in creative spaces. Like, for example, last night I went to the Poetry Lounge, which is like a really big, you know, spoken word venue out here in Los Angeles and just being around other creative people in a creative space. I believe I'm a big believer in creating your own opportunities. And I also am a big believer of, you know, Candice, because it's interesting thing because like when people are like, oh, you made it or you made it. I don't really subscribe to that because the things that I'm believing God for or what I believe God has called me to and what my destiny is. I haven't even reached the surface of what I believe he's called me to, you know, and I am a big believer in not sitting and waiting for something. I believe that God has put everything in us that we need to be successful, to fulfill purpose. So no matter what's happening in the world, no matter kind of like what's going on in your life, like you're always an artist, you know, you're always a creative. So I try my best to make sure, like, again, that I'm keeping myself surrounded in creative spaces, or if I feel led to create something, then I will. I I really, I try to, I'm a very honest person when it comes to, like, the journey and my struggles, you know? I'm unashamed in, like, everything that I've been through and how I maneuver through life and everything, and I really believe that you... (sighs) goodness. I feel like I'm going all on this No, no, this is, no, it is. No, it's, no, I, I understand everything that you're saying. I, I, I feel that too. It is when you, when I have that same thing, it's, I worked on a show 
called the Vampire Diaries and we had like witches and werewolves and which has lent itself all these years later. The show's been off the air for golly, I want over six years. And we still go to like Comic Cons and conventions and meet people who are still watching the show or finding it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And so many times I'll meet other creatives or actors, you know, or aspiring actors who are asking like, you know, well, you've made it. And and so then how do I do that? And and mm-hmm. I can resonate exactly with what you're saying that it's, you know, there is no making it in the creative, you know, you always need to be, you can't, it's not about the answers. It's about the questions. Right. And so in it, you're all constantly when you, when you find an answer, it's like, well, what's the next question that that leads to? What's the next thing that is right. going to keep igniting this like flame of creativity within myself? Yeah. Um, when was that flame ignited for you? It was, what age? When did you, because I know you have an incredible career also as you know, a writer. And I'm excited to talk more about your spoken word performing and performances. But what was kind of an inciting incident for you that led you specifically to theater? Well, this is an interesting story because fun fact, I used to want to be a lawyer when I was younger. I was like, oh God, I'm going to change the world one court case at a time. And then, Candace, I took seventh grade drama at San Brandon Middle School with Mrs. Clark, did a monologue on stage. And I know it sounds so corny and cliche, but it literally changed my life. Like the response and reaction I got from my peers, the reaction I got from my teacher, the way I felt. I was like, oh no, God, I'm going to change the world through my art. That's what I'm created to do. And from then, like seventh grade, I started writing all of my own plays. Like I literally still have like this huge binder of plays and screen uh, plays and stage plays, everything that I was writing when I was in high school. um, You know, I come from very humble beginnings and my high school, we didn't really have an arts program (laughs) there at the school. So I went to the teachers and I was like, hey, can we create, can we have like a drama club? And they were like, well, if you want to ask the English teacher to also be the drama teacher, and that's exactly what I did. I said, can you be the drama teacher too? And she was like, sure. And then I just started like directing and performing and doing things. Listen, Candace, I was like, once I found out, I was like, oh, this is what I'm meant to do. I'm one of those people, like once my mind is made up about it, I'm like, okay, God, I'm giving everything. So I don't know if you could tell I'm very passionate. <laughs> so my passion bleeds over, you know, into everything. And it's like, that is where it all started was seventh grade. <laughs> Do you remember this drama? I love that you've created this drama club. I, my version of that when I was younger is I wanted to be the sixth Spice Girl member. So I came yes. home in elementary school and I was like, hey, mom, so I'm going to hold auditions for my own girl group. And yes. she's like, oh, OK, you know, right, rolling right. her eyes. And then a right. week later, she was like, what are these kids? Why do you have flyers? I was like, I told you, mom, they're coming over to audition for my girl group, Girl Zone, obviously. Like, and I did. I like everyone who auditioned made it. It was five for five. Yeah. But there is something like the fearlessness of like youth and passion, specifically when it comes to... I feel like it's like kids that get very involved in the creative, the arts or or even at, like uh, sports as well when you're young. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the first play that you guys did? Did you go, did you like pick it out? Like were oh, you seeing it was, the theater? I wrote. It you was wrote called, it? It was called Wrap It Up, but with a but with a W. Like wrap. <laughs> no, no, with the uh with the R, wrap it up like rapper. <gasps> yes. And it followed the life of this rapper. And I was so upset, Candace, because I remember the teacher, because I wanted to like star in it. I wrote it and I was directing it. And the teacher was like, no, Candace, you can't 
be doing all of the parts. And I was like, oh, so then she was like, you could be the writer and the director, but you have to have someone else starring it. But I was upset about that because my best friend, Mika, she got to play the lead role and it was with the I cast his name is Josh shout out to Josh I don't know if he gonna remember this or not but he was super tall and super skinny there was this boy Josh at my high school and he was so cute and I cast him as the rapper like he was good he was a good lyricist mm-hmm. and so I wanted to play you know the romantic <laughs> but then my best friend had to, I was like did they like kiss and Mika and Josh movie. kissed yes, of oh. course I wrote that in there and I'm like Dang it. You know, very PG because this is still high school. Of course. Of course. Yeah, very PG. But yeah, but that was one of the first productions and I had wrote and directed. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I had no idea what I was doing, but you know, and that... But that goes back to what I said earlier, where God already puts everything in you. And sometimes it takes other people to pull it out. Sometimes it takes an experience, like being thrusted on stage. Like sometimes things happen in life where you're like, oh, oh, wow, I have this gift. This Like that's even what happened with me with poetry. Like I didn't even know that I had the gift of spoken word until I saw what it did, you know, in the atmosphere or the room when I would perform it. And I'm like, oh God, this is ministry. Oh, this is another gift that you've given me. Look at how you're using me, God, to make a difference like this through a poem. Like, oh, wow. You know, yeah. and you just started this, which is also too Candace Day. Sorry, I thought I was just <laughs> jumping all over the place. I love it. I love it. <laughs> but also too, you know, that's why I love, you know, because I, teach and I coach, you know, and I love working with the babies and you like God willing one day I want to have my own like drama school or acting program for underprivileged youth because I was an underprivileged youth and I know what it's like when you don't when you're not raised in an atmosphere that can nourish the talent or potential that you have, you know, or or being around family or whatever that may not recognize like, oh, no, that child is not misbehaving. Like that child just needs some place to put their energy. Give me your baby. All that talking in the class clown and all that stuff, all that he's acting out. Oh, no, no, no. You just got to put him in the right atmosphere and I guarantee you that baby's going to thrive. You just have to, know, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. yeah. So It okay. is ridiculous <laughs> that we all think that we all learn in one way and that right. we all express and communicate in one way, which mm-hmm. is, it's ludicrous. We've been, there's, I mean, we won't get into the Tennessee politics of what's been going on in our school districts lately, yeah. but it's basically <laughs> a whole bunch of children that are now being kind of like held back based off of a test that someone came up with and it's just Mm. thrown off everything. And it just isn't like we, it is crazy that here we are and, you know, and we're still trying to limit these younger generations based off of how we think they are supposed to learn. Mm-hmm. And and yet, and this is also coming off of 2020, where we told, told these younger generations, oh, actually, we're going to make you learn in a completely different way during this global pandemic and then go back. And also to your point, it is, you know, just going back to, you know, doing things because you, you have a sense for it and you have a calling and you have a curiosity. And I look back now on so many times in my life where because of 
fear that was instilled in me from someone else, doubt that was instilled in me from someone else made me completely shut down a part of my creative that I then became too nervous and scared to to tap into because of of this doubt of that I don't know how to do it or I won't mm-hmm. be good at it. And mm-hmm. so the fact that you were able to create this like safe haven of you know, creativity where you could tap into it and, and confidently and listen to your voice as opposed to others maybe around you. What was like, did you find a really like fun group of, of students and other friends who joined your drama club? Like what were the adults saying? Was this like a supported, like, I'm like picturing this Disney version of the like (laughs) drama club where we're all like put on the performance and everyone was like, yes. Did you feel that like support (laughs) around you? Or were you like, we are our own like group and we're going to like, you found like your people within the community or what, like did the whole community gather around you guys? That's an interesting question only because of where I was raised and where I come from. It wasn't, it definitely wasn't like a high school musical type vibe where everyone's like, you know, no, but can you tell my seven-year-old is watching high school musical like every day right now. So Uh when you're talking about this, I'm like, Oh, it's just like high school musical, but yes. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, No. (laughs) it's not like, no. Yeah. Like I, again, where I come from, you know, Again, the best way for me to describe it is just very humble beginnings. And the school I was at, it just, let's just say the arts weren't like the popular thing to be a part of Mm -hmm. at my school. There were, of course, students and my peers who enjoyed it, who would perform, who would, you know, and everything. But it wasn't like, let's say, as popular as basketball, you know, or something like that. But the teachers there, I was... (laughs) I was a very hands-on student. I was very involved in like everything. I was student body president, homecoming queen, homecoming. Like I was, and it's crazy how involved I was and and I guess popular, if you will, by just really being myself. I, I never, you know, I was, I never like molded into the crowd or tried to fit in. I was always you know, like, oh, Candace, that's goofy Candace or like, bubbly Candace, energetic Candace. Like I didn't, I didn't allow my environment to cause me to conform or change who I naturally was, you know? And I'm very grateful to the teachers at Luther Burbank, especially Phil Brand. He was my favorite teacher, which is ironic considering the fact that math is my least favorite subject. (laughs) I hated math, but I love Mr. Brand and he loved me. And no, they were so supportive. I remember doing a pageant at that time and I was able to hold a whole meeting with the staff and they actually met before school came early, listened to my little pitch of how I needed them to help fundraise and donate to my campus. Like I was like that student. So I'm very grateful to Burbank. They, yeah, they were very supportive and stuff. But in terms of my peers, again, not everyone was running to go put on a costume and learn some lines. (laughs) So it, I mean, similar. I, I feel like it's a, it's a tough sell at any school for like <laughs> middle school and up, especially. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When were you still in high school when you saw your first spoken word performance or had you graduated by then? Yeah, no, it was in college when I moved out here to L.A. Actually, I was I wrote poetry and stuff when I was in elementary school. My first poem was Ode to My Red Pants. And my English teacher would have me going around to the other classes performing that poem. (laughs) Your red pants? Ode to My Red Pants. And it was it was like this silly poem, but the teacher loved it. And he was just like, you're so talented. And I'm going to have you do it for the other en- other English classes. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. But spoken word poetry, I didn't get introduced to that until I moved to Los Angeles. And it was like a whole new world because Sacramento, we don't really have a poetry scene in Sacramento. So LA though, it was like popular out here. And I was like, what is this? Like, what is this that they're doing? It was like, performative, but kind of rapping, but you're not really rapping, but you're like, and I'm like, what is this? And I remember like for maybe quite a few of us, one of my very first spoken word pieces was birth from pain. My heart was completely obliterated by this boy when I was in Josh, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this person in college will remain nameless. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Bless him, but yeah. So uh-huh. he destroyed my heart. He broke it. Okay. And, but I'm grateful to it because not only did it birth another, another gift inside of me that I did not know existed, it also brought me closer to God. And my relationship with Jesus was like 
it opened up everything for me. So I'm very grateful to that. But yeah, it was LA and I was going to college. And then that's when I really like got into the spoken word. And like I said earlier, the very first time I ever performed spoken word and how the entire atmosphere shifted, you know, the entire room, like I knew that was nothing but God. Like there's no way I can even take credit for it. Like people went into worship, like it, all from me telling just my testimony, my story, you know, and so many people identify, people were coming out to me crying, women being like, they were going to commit suicide if they're happy they, or they were going to call that person, they're happy they heard my poem. I'm like, God, I see what you're doing and I see how you're using me. So I'm just going to keep on using this gift and owning the skill and wherever door you open, I'm going to walk through it, God, and hopefully, you know, make a difference. Had you had a had you been had you been religious? Had you had a relationship with God? I hate that word religious. I don't even like the word religion. And it's interesting because the moment I say Jesus, automatically people, you know, they put you mm-hmm. in a box and they're like, oh, you're religious. And I'm like, no, religion causes dissension. The God I serve is all about unity and love. So I will refer to myself as someone who is on a faith walk. I believe in what I believe. You could believe in what you believe and we could still coexist. Amen. You know, and it's like, you know, I'm not judged because I have no, I can't condemn you. I can't save you. There's, I am a imperfect being just like you trying to do this thing called life, just like you. And all I do is walk boldly with my faith. If it brings you to my faith, then amen. If it not, still amen, you know, because I'm unashamed in who I serve and what I believe. I believe also too, that another difference with religion, it's religion versus relationship. I have a relationship with God. I talk to God, just like how I'm talking to you. Mm -hmm. I don't, I believe religion sets you in a box where you have to follow this. And if you don't do this, then you're going to go to hell. And if you don't do, no, 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 I do not believe that is the kind of God that I serve. I don't believe anyone is better than another person. I don't believe one lifestyle is better than another lifestyle. Listen, do you live your life? You know, do what you want to do. I'm doing what I want to do, which is believing in my savior. Yes, Jesus. And still trying to just spread love and be positive, you know, but yeah, no, I would never categorize myself as religious. I am literally someone who is on a faith walk and I'm sharing my journey. And again, if it inspires you, amen. If it's not for you, then still amen. God bless you and keep it moving, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's it's interesting, especially being in LA, I feel like, because I'd lived there when I was younger for six years, about six years. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm in Tennessee. Yep. Uh huh. (laughs) And just in a closet in Tennessee. (laughs) You know, just on a very hot day, uh, just sweating in a closet. But the things we do, the things we do for good sound quality and content. But I had also lived in LA not too long ago for four years this time. But it was interesting moving here to Nashville because here, you know. It, 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 it like the the subject of friends of mine and their relationship with God or their relationship with their religion came mm-hmm. up really organically, and it mm-hmm. wasn't this. 
I, I found that it was it became a, a politicized conversation in a lot of my conversations when I was living in LA, and and that there would be some people I was friends with within the industry who would talk about you know their relationship with God or Jesus or their religious practices that they mm-hmm. choose to follow, but it felt like it was almost this like just a very unique subject in LA. It didn't feel like something that I I just always danced around it. I didn't bring it up. Mm-hmm. And I'd had a, a tough couple of years where I found my, I found myself in prayer again. And I'd, I'd been absent of it for so long. Mm-hmm. And just kind of how you're talking about where, you know, it wasn't necessarily in any sort of formal way of like me finding a church or finding a group, but it was me sitting down with my God and yes. having conversations that I, that I, and in, in feeling it as a conversation and not just talking at someone, but really trying yes. to listen to. Yes. And it's, it's been really, it's been beautiful at this stage in life to have that, especially in times where I have felt incredibly lost yes. or lonely. And this industry can be a lot of that for a lot of people. Yes. And they, and that's where I think a lot of people can then find, you know, other voices to listen to, whether it's doubt or things that do not Mm -hmm. serve them, choices Mm -hmm. that do not serve them. You've had a very, I'm excited to continue discussing like your, your journey within your career, which is just cannot wait. It's obviously going to continue and continue and continue, (laughs) but in your, you know, (laughs) yes, but in your, like, did you find being in LA and which I know the it very well, the amount of no's that you get, the rejections you get from auditions, having to really believe in yourself, you know, knocking on front doors of opportunities and they're locked. So you go and check the windows to see if they're open. I always call it like, I'm like, oh, I end up always crawling through the basement. Every time mm-hmm. I think that there's like an easy way into an opportunity or my dream, I'm like, oh, <clears throat> nope, I right. always take the hardest like way possible, but I get in there eventually. Did your relationship with God walk you through a lot of those moments where you had to really sit with yourself in your choice of being out in LA and, and, and chasing and working towards this career in entertainment? Oh my goodness, for sure. Like I would not, I promise you, Candace. And again, I know it sounds so cliche, but I genuinely would not be here had it not been for my faith. Like I've been, I was homeless. I was living in my car out here in LA trying to achieve this dream. I've had many nights of rumbling stomachs because I couldn't afford, you know, you have to decide, okay, which is more important right now for my money. Like, you know, I need this or I need, it it was just, no, it's been extremely difficult. It's, it is so hard when you feel like you're so close and it looks like that's about to be a yes. And then for it to only be a no for you to constantly be rejected. I always tell people, especially those who, who are in this industry, who want to do this as well, that that overnight success stuff, yes, it does happen for some people, but that is very, it took me 10 years before I finally booked my series, my first lead role. It took me 10 years. There are many people that I graduated with that that I know many of my peers and colleagues, you know, that unfortunately they did move back home. They did go ahead and say, you know what, I'm going to just go ahead and do the corporate thing and I'm going to do that nine to five because this is a hard industry. And if you don't have some kind of foundation, if you don't have something outside of yourself to believe in or to inspire you or to, to keep that hope alive, it is, I don't know how people can do it. You know, if you don't have something bigger than yourself, just to remind you like, okay, it's in your strength, God, that I can do this. 
like all of my my weakness like i am just a human but through you father god through your spirit through through everything that you've empowered me like i can do this with you god but i cannot by myself and there and and also too being very honest because again i have a relationship with god not all the time. Am I happy with him either? I love you, Jesus. Praise my God. But you know, I'm not because that's a, Candace, for real. Are you always happy with your friends, your yeah, spouse? Your, you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. a relationship. There's times I'm like, God, I really don't feel like talking to you today. I don't feel like praying today. I don't feel like, oh, I'm upset. I thought this was a yes, Jesus. Or why did it look like now my life is starting to change? Finally, God, it looks like it's happening. Oh, no, it's a pandemic. Oh, God, it looks like it's happening. Oh, great. Now it's a writer's strike. Oh, God, it looks like it's happening. Oh, we may or may not get renewed. Oh, God, it looks like it's happening. No, that's that audition didn't come through. Like, it's hard sometimes, mm-hmm. especially, I, I would say for myself, because I work. Candace, I work so hard. Do you know what I mean? And my work ethic, because I always tell people, days without works is dead. God is not a genie. So you can't just sit there and be hoping, please God, please God. It's like you have to put the work in to match your faith. And I do that with everything, even my fitness journey. People, man, why have you been losing? Why have you been Because I say, because I am manifesting the roles. I see myself looking a certain way. I see myself healthy. I see myself, if I want to do Marvel, please God, in the name of Jesus, if I want to do action, you know, if I want to play a romantic lead, if I want, there's a certain way that I believe I see myself in these particular So by faith, I'm working out hard mm-hmm. by faith. I am, you know, I am, I'm acting as if I don't know when Marvel's going to come out. I don't know if I'm going to book. I don't know, but, but I'm you'll like, be ready. I'm ready. And that's faith. I yeah. posted something, Candace. It was a quote I saw and I posted it because I do like these encouragement threads on my page, you know, just to, you know, try to keep. And I usually I'm very authentic, even in my on my page, you know, on my social media. It's like my social media is exactly who I am. There's no character. I'm not posing as it. you get me all the time. Yes, Jesus, I am who I am. (laughs) (laughs) And I so I do these encouragement threads. And most of the time when I feel led to do it or when God puts it on my spirit, it's because I needed it. Mm. And I'm like, oh, God, if I need this, if I'm feeling low, I'm pretty sure there's so many people out there who are feeling the same way. And especially for me, because people are like, you're always so positive. How do you always stay so happy? I'm not. I'm not always happy. I have joy always, yes. but I'm not always happy. Those are two different things. And so I don't want anyone to ever look at me and be like, look, she got it together. She's always positive. She's never going through it. the devil. I'm going through it just like y'all. I struggle with insomnia because I have to work against anxiety. Anxiety is the antithesis of faith. You know, like how can you be so anxious and have all this anxiety, Candace, when you already believe what God? Mm-hmm. It's a journey. It's yeah. a process. It's a struggle. So I am authentic and honest about sharing that because so much on social media is a facade anyway. You know, and I feel mm-hmm. like it's like Candace. I know my purpose. I know my assignment. I am very clear on why God has me on earth, what I'm here to do. And that's why I'm unashamed about sharing my journey, my testimonies. And one of the things, like, I was, oh my goodness, one of, the tangent, one of the things I was trying to tell you that I just recently posted in an encouragement thread was thanking God in advance is called faith. That is what the, so again, going back to 
Oh, I'm working out because I'm manifesting an action role. Oh God, I, I'm, I'm doing this because I'm believing for, oh God, I put my one woman show out there into the world. I put my story out in the world, God, because I believe that there is power in my testimony. And I see, God, how you're going to use me to impact other people that can relate to my story. I believe by faith that one day a rose called Candace will be on the big screen. I believe it. But I did the work first by putting it on stage. I did the work by writing the script. I don't know what's going to happen or where that's going to go, but God, I see what you put in me. I'm putting it out into the world for you to possibly bless. Ooh, I know that was a long No, I love it. And because I'm excited to talk about your one woman show, but also because it 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 did fantastic, by the way. Like, yeah. it, like it's incredible. But that's also, it's, I have a, a dear, dear family friend, Tammy, who she calls little moments where, where you're, you're, you're kind of calling out to God and you get, like when you start to hear back or you get like little signs or little notes, like I, I was in a pretty, I wasn't just going through some really deep personal stuff a couple of years ago. And I was walking into an Airbnb, just kind of at the end of my rope, holding on to just the last little string. And I just was wondering like, God, what are we doing here? Like, am I just failing at this? And I go to the bathroom, kid you not, into this Airbnb. And the, the owners of it had written like a little prayer and like with like a, a like a Bible quote. And mm-hmm. I just, and it was like all about like, you're where you're meant to be yes. and you will be on the, and I just was sitting there going, oh my gosh. And I talked to my friend Tammy about this. She's like, oh, I call those God winks. And I was oh, like, oh, I love I that. Love like a little, a little wink from God, Aww. just being like, I gotcha. Yeah. And so it's, it's lovely to have those little God winks in life, which uh, yes. when did you write your one woman show? And because uh, it it got so, I mean, wonderful, wonderful accolades. Uh, yeah, I, so it took me, I developed it for four years. So yeah, I finally debuted it in 2018. So since 2014, <laughs> I had been working on that show. And also too, because it's my life story, it's a 60 minute storytelling experience. And oops. Candice, it is an experience, okay? <laughs> um, I literally take you like on in 60 minutes exactly of like this roller coaster ride, you know? I The reason why it took four years, one, I was working on writing it while I was homeless. So even in there, I was questioning wow. God, like, God, you want me to share my, like, like I'm, I'm using the restroom in the bushes. I'm washing up in McDonald's. Like, God, I don't have a roof. Like, what, you know? And- And also to all the things I had experienced growing up, you know, I had to do the work of forgiveness. I had to do the work to make sure that I'm not vilifying any of my characters that are in my story while I'm telling my truth. I really had to go through the work to heal before I, again, I'm very intentional because I know my purpose. So it's never about, oh, let me just put this out there so I could be seen. Oh, let me just do this so people can see how talented I am. No, the devil, it's not about me. I am a vessel to be used, right? So it's like I did four years. I did the work, the real uncomfortable work of having to heal from my childhood traumas, of having to confront my childhood traumas, of having to confront those that have hurt me from my childhood and then find that strength to forgive because I'm forgiven every day to offer grace. and Like it was a struggle. And I I really want to give a shout out to my pastor, Dr. Hosea Collins. I love him so much, but it was him like without him as well, a rose called Candace would have never been birthed. 
because he was the one that kept telling me like, Candace, baby girl, you have such a powerful story because Candace, I'm someone that literally does not look like what I've been through because I am so joyful. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. that people assume a lot about me. People assumed I was raised in the church. People assume I come from a two-parent household. People assume I was raised in the suburb. I don't know why people assume all this stuff, but I think because of my personality, you know, you would never know I have been through hell in my life. And so my pastor would literally tell me, he would say, baby girl, your story is not unique. And that's the reason why you need to share it because it is so relatable to so many people that are going to look at you and be like her. She went through, she overcame all of that. Yes, baby. Yes, baby boy. Yes, little mamas. I did. And so can you, you can too, because I did. I come from where I come from. And like Candace, I'm like on an interview with you, you know, like I like the interviews of it, like the things that have happened in my life. These are things I imagined that I that seem impossible. And for someone like me to. Like, yeah. I'm great. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I yeah. understand that this does not happen for everyone. And I understand that there are a lot of people who did give up. And I understand even in my own struggle of like, just being honest with this writer strike, like, you know, I'm grateful for blind spot. We don't know if we're going to get a season. Yeah. Like we don't know, like people don't understand. They just see you on TV or they see you posting, on, but they don't understand what's happening behind scenes or behind the doors. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that I share. I want to show you, I show, I have, I used to, I have a thing series called Candace Car Confessions that I do, where if God plays, like, it's not videos that are edited. It's not something that, oh, let me retake it. Let me, I genuinely sit. And if God puts it on my heart, I'm like, I press play and I pour out my heart, you know, to you guys, honestly. And I, there was one Candace Car Confession where I showed, I had, think I had just booked Blind Spotty and I showed everyone binders after binders of just auditions of stacks of all those were all no's like huge stacks of and how out of all those binders all those no's I still never gave up do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean like and I still just man that takes a lot of strength to do that especially in our industry because when you hear a no it's not just a no it's like a thing that you internalize oh I wasn't pretty enough Oh, I'm too dark skinned. Oh, I don't have the right hair texture. Oh, I was too tall. Or was I not like you question yourself when you get a no, because it's, it's a huge rejection. And you're Mm -hmm. wondering like, why God was I not chosen? You know, when I, when I was younger, my dad told me something once, which was, you know, when you hear a no, it's just, it's being, it's, do you have to hear it as a not yet? It's a, it's a delay. Yes. Delay does not mean denial. Yes. yes. And when I was younger, I was able to hear that. But I lost that for a chapter of time in my adulthood where I've just like a no meant a no. Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. and it's really been taking a lot of, you know, effort and kind of work that I've within myself to remember that and to hear my internal voice again. Going back to your pastor telling you, you know, how necessary it is to share your story specifically because you are not alone in your story and that others will find so much comfort in it. How, how long were you homeless and when were you able to finally, because I think it is insane to me the way that we as a society 
kind of view the idea of homelessness and kind of paint it in a certain picture. And it's ridiculous to me. Yes. And so for, for you, if you can, if you're comfortable sharing a little bit of your experience about kind of walking through homelessness to also then finding a place that was yours. Yeah, I will. I love that you brought that point up because I definitely experienced that when I was homeless because I didn't look homeless, right? People didn't, it didn't look like I was living outside of trash bags in the trunk of my car. It didn't look like it because every day I had to make, again, everything's intentional and you have to make the choice to be like, okay, God, I'm going to get myself dressed today. I'm going to put myself together. I'm not. So when I would go to certain places to try to get resources or help, I will never forget. I had a woman look me straight in my face and literally tell me as I was trying to get assistance. And she literally said, but you don't look homeless. So are you, and, and I just remember sitting there feeling like, that's so interesting that we stereotype yeah. because you don't know any, like literally everything I own is in that car. That car at that time that had recently just had gotten towed a couple of weeks prior. And, and, and mind you, I was still working. I was working at Universal Studios as a tour guide, but because they, they go based off seniority in terms of shifts. So I wasn't getting shifts, right? It was the seniors who got the shifts first and stuff. So I wasn't really making money there. Then I was in a play at the time, but you know, theater, yeah, <laughs> you, that's, you, that's not a lot of money. You literally do theater because you love the art form, right? And so, and I had, to, again, I was doing things also to keep my sanity while I was homeless. And going back to your thing, how do you stay in this being creative? Like I said, still putting yourself in those creative spaces because art Again, it sounds cliche, but art save my like it's it it saves you sometimes. Art is therapy, you know. Art is healing. It like art is just oh, that's why I just I love being artist so much. But I will never forget walking out of the theater in North Hollywood and not seeing my car there. Everything I owned was in my car, and I just remember just for that lady to sit there and tell me, "You don't look," and, and like her like it was so judgmental, you know, and she didn't help me get the assistance or whatever. But yeah, it, it is interesting to me with that. And when I do see people who are homeless, I once had a friend, they're no longer my friend, but I once had someone that was in my life that if I wanted to give them an R, I would, I'm a very empathetic person. Like I feel so deeply can. It's like, if someone's sad or they look sad, it's like, I can feel them. Like I feel... So, and that's another reason why too, that sometimes my art is overwhelming to me because I can feel pain. Like I feel the audience too. Yes. Like, oh my gosh, I can feel, you know, so deeply that it is overwhelming sometimes. And I remember that friend being like, you know, oh, they're homeless. Like if they want to get a job, they can, or no, Candace, don't give them or don't help. You know, and I'm like, but you don't know that person's story. You really don't know that yeah. you're just assuming because you see them here asking for a handout. You're just assuming things. You're assuming it's going to drugs or you're assuming that they're going to use it. But you don't know. And even if that is the case, you don't know how God is using you to be a blessing. You don't know what God may want to do through you to help that person or what it may be for that person. Why in that moment you are encountering that per- Like I just, Yeah. <laughs> for you what was what was something that finally gave you a moment to to exhale deeper when did you were when were you 
did, was it working? Did you start booking some acting jobs? Did you get more shifts? Like, what did, were you able to finally find a place to call yours and your home? So, yeah, I was homeless for about a year. <laughs> I lived in my wow. car for about a year. And then I started working for Culver City School District. I'm actually, people don't know this. I'm actually a trained behavioral therapist. Like I worked, oh, wow. uh, mm-hmm, I did it for four years in the school district. I worked with the babies who, you know, had autism, learning disabilities, behavioral issue. Like I'm actually certified to work in that, you know. That is angel work, by the way. That oh, is. Thank you. Trust me, even when I did decide to quit and say, okay, God, I'm a fulfilled purpose full time. That was one of the hardest things I had to do. And I remember Miss Catherine from HR, she said, you're one of the good ones. Like, we're so sad to have you leave. We understand what you're doing, but you can always come back if you want to, you know, because it, you do have to have a specific, you know, it's not just a check. You have to really love, you know, care for these babies. But I remember I worked for the school district and the district, Thank goodness. Like I'm a big person on finding solutions. I'm I'm not someone that likes to wallow and cry over a problem. Like maybe I might cry, have my moment, and then I'd be like, Candace, all right, get it together. You know, because you can't stay there. You can't stay no, in the negative space. Right? I call it mommy magic. Like I that's what, like now that I have two kids, like when I just want to like sit there and cry, I give yeah. myself like five minutes. I look at my clock and then I'm like, all right mommy magic time. What can I do to like make this all like move forward, move through it? Exactly. Yeah. So you have to, yeah. So I would do that. And then, so I went through the, I was like, okay, what resources are at my disposal as a district employee? (laughs) And then it was through the district. I ended up coming with a program. The program helped like pay like half your rent or like they paid the first upfront or something for you to get you started. And that's how I ended up, you know, getting a studio apartment in um, LA. And then that, I'm, I'm very grateful to that program because it really, that's where I got to breathe yeah. a little bit, you know, but of course being a part of that program too is it, it can be really, it's hard and it's sad sometimes because you're also treated a certain way too, because it's like, oh, you, you're, you're, you're the help, like you need, you know, so mm-hmm. you're also treated a certain way too. And then you're also, and I'm pretty sure other artists can attest to this, whether it is a regular daytime job or if it is something where you're getting a resource or something like that, people look at you a certain way when you say that you're an artist. Because in their mind, they're like, well, you're homeless. You need to, what are you doing? Like, I don't care that you're an artist. You need to pay, (laughs) you know, get money to, you know, so it's also straddling that, believing, keeping the faith of what you know God has ordained for your life and blocking out all the naysayers and negativity or like how you said, even as children, like being able to hold on to a dream, even though everything and everyone around you is coming against it or doesn't understand, like, do you want to be an actor? Oh, okay. You know, I've gotten that throughout my whole life. Oh, okay. Working at the hotel. I used to get that from the guests. They were like, I'm like, oh, I'm an actor. And they would literally say to me, oh, you know, that's like a one in a million opportunity. And my response would always be the same. Oh, I'm going to be that one in a million. Is there anything else I can help you with? Like always, because I believed it. It did not matter living in my car. It did not matter serving serving people and picking up dishes after people. It did not matter where I was in my life. I always held on to that. I knew God that you destined me for something great, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Could you talk a little bit about a scene that's been so impactful, even just researching you, that meant so much to so many people, but you're seeing, there's a specific scene in Good Trouble oh. where you perform a piece that you wrote. Yes! Can <laughs> you share? Yes. Can you share with us how that came about? Oh, my gosh. Shout out to my Good Trouble family. I love them so much. No, because Good Trouble, they were my first TV credits. Shout out, shout out to Scott and Miss Deborah, the casting directors. They gave me my first opportunity, my first TV credit. And so I'm just so grateful to my Good Trouble family. Shout out to Miss Joanna Johnson. It was Miss Joanna. Producer, writer, director, good trouble. She found out, like, she just, I guess somehow she must have saw a poem or something that I did online or something like that. And it was for Malika, uh, who is played by Zaria Dale. Hey, Sus. Malika, it was for her a specific episode for her character. And so all of us were like perform, you know, doing something for the character's celebration. And she was like, Candace, I would love for you if you could write a poem. Like, here's the topic. Like, here's the subject. And she's like, could you write something about this? Oh. Yes. And from that, Candace, I literally was working on it while I was still working for Culver City. Oh, well, wow. I don't work there anymore. They're yeah. like, he was working on the clock. <laughs> but, you know, in between, like, while the babies were at recess or on their mm-hmm. lunch or something, I was over there working, like, writing, revising the poem, sending it to Miss Joanna. What do you think of this? She's like, oh, that's good. Can you make it a little bit shorter? It can't exceed three. Bet, got to. Let me go back in. Like, recording it, sending it to her. I'll sit in the car, record it, send it to her. Like, it was just... And, and the crazy thing is also, too, about faith, 
It's also obedience is very important in faith, in your faith walk. So if you believe that God has told you something or has placed a certain assignment over you, it's important to be obedient to that because the reward or whatever blessing he has following that is, you know, predicated on whether or not you are obedient. And I say that to say, I remember when I first discovered spoken word poetry and I remember hearing God, I was so upset with you, Jesus. I was upset, <laughs> Candace. He literally was like, yo, stop acting. Do nothing but your, your poetry. That's ministry now for a year. So for a whole year while I was in college, I was like not acting. I just did nothing but spoken word. Any events, youth explosion, conferences, churches, like in open mics, like anywhere where God was opening doors, I was sharing my ministry. Like I was just doing poetry, poetry, but I was so upset because I was like, God, I came out here to be an actor. I want to be no poet, right? <laughs> and then I will never forget. God was like, I'm going to bless your acting career through your poetry. And Candace, seven years, and we know seven is means completion. Yes. Yes. Seven years to the day. This is how good my God is. Seven years to the day, Dear Black Girl. Dear Black Girl was released on national. And I was like, wow, God. I I remember I just kept crying so much that week that we shot that episode because I was like, I remember God seven years ago that you said this to me. And here I am performing my own piece that I wrote in a show. That was nothing like, so shout out to Miss Joanna, uh, Miss Joanna, um, uh, Bradley, Peter Page, all like the producers. I'm, I'm so grateful because that really also set me on the map, if you will, yeah. as a poet. So much so, Candice, that I remember during season one, <laughs> like everyone was like, oh, you're going to do a poem, you're going to do a poem. And I was like, when did I become a poet first? Like you guys, like I've always, like, I don't think people, it's like people didn't know I was an actress. Like everyone was like, oh, you're a poet, you're a poet. And they were, oh, you act too? And I'm like, guys, like my whole degree is in theater. Like this is, like I'm an actor, but it's interesting because Dear Black Girl really set me, like really just opened doors for me as a poet. And I think that's how I was really introduced to the world, if you will. And, but, that's how God said it, right? And then for me to be cast on a show that deals with heightened verse and poetry, like, I, and I love, and I'm so grateful to those who follow my journey and my supporters. They know I love them because, first of all, they don't have to follow me. You know, people don't have to support you. And I'm, and I'm grateful to them because the love that I received when the announcement first came out, when I had booked the show, because everyone was like, Candace, this show, it's like, it, like the role was made for you. Like it was perfect for you because everyone knew that I was a poet and everyone knew that I came from theater and this show, this beautiful show being exactly that. It's like the stage literally on screen. So yeah, shout out to Raphael and Devi because they so dope and talented. Yeah. <laughs> What's also so beautiful is yeah, there any opportunity to be working as an actor and performer is incredible, yes. but mm-hmm. it's there's something really beautiful about the fact that you're the role that like when you, you know, seven years in that what made like it was you. It wasn't mm. like some role where wow. you were fitting into someone else's. You know what I mean? Mm. You had to have you in order. And like that is I just think really beautiful, especially right now. I think as a society, we are just so craving 
authenticity to go back mm. to what we touched on a little bit just when you're talking about social media about how a lot of people kind of almost play a caricature version of themselves and you know when you're able to lead with your authentic self in the world how beautiful that is but when when not only you got the part but you got the part because of you and what you brought to not just a role but to the world yeah, and you and created that inspiration just from you walking through your life. I mean, that that's a really, that's a very special thing. It yes. really is. So thank you. Good travel, Pam. <laughs> I also want to talk about your show. And I know it is, I'm sure it is a very, you know, to what we're, we were talking about at the beginning of this, like a lot of people, if you're not in the industry, it's very confusing. You're like, what do you mean writer's strike? And, oh, yeah. well, what do you mean a show might not come back on? And that is a big thing. I mean, even when you're on a show, you, you're you never guaranteed one, you know, that you're going to stay on it. Right. I, I never, you know, even in all my years on Vampire Diaries, I, I never bought anything because I was just like, well, this might be the year that I get killed off. You know, you never know. <laughs> Yeah, never know. <laughs> right. I just was like, and then 13 years later, I like was on the like last episode of the third spinoff. And I was just like, well, I never knew. So I just wanted to play it safe, guys. But, right, right. But you never know. Season two is out. Yay. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience booking the role and also what it's been like as your first series regular role after all these years? Booking it, it went the traditional route, you know, like when your agent sends you the sides and everything. And I remember reading the sides and being like, God, this sounds like, this sounds like me, you know, aside from all the cussing, because Janelle, <laughs> my character, she be cussing a lot. I don't cuss as much as her. Yeah, aside from that, the way that it was written, so shout out also to them, you know, the writers, it just was so natural. And, you know, Oakland being the Bay and me being from Sacramento, which is like the distant cousin of Oakland, you know, it was just very, because up north, we have a, a natural swag. It's a natural way that we speak, you know, so there was nothing. I didn't feel like I had to put on anything for the audition. It was just me just being like, you know, and, and I remember watching the movie Blind Spotting and I was like, Jesus, I want to be a part of this series because the movie... Like, that's the type of art I love, like art that has a message, art that means something, that is saying something, you know, like, and, and I love the movie so much. It has such a powerful message. So when I did the first audition, I wrote on a piece of paper, <laughs> I put Candace Nicholas Littman set to star as Blind Spotting, set to star as Janelle in the Blind Spotting spinoff. And I put it on my wall on that same little studio apartment that the, the center helped me get, right? I put it on the wall and I just kept speaking life over that thing, even when, because, you know, the audition process, it, I think it was like a, a few weeks yeah. that I had to do the audition process, you know, like the, the callbacks, chemistry, everything it was like a process. And then there was a time within the process, there was a moment where it looked like oh no, are they going with a different actor? You know, you know how that is where it's like, oh God, are they, oh God, no, please, I'm so close. It looks like, and then, but I never took the piece of paper down. I kept, cause I was like, I feel so connected to Janelle. Like, I feel like I am Janelle, God. But I was like, you know what, God, but I release it. The how is your business, the why is mine. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to just continue to just keep believing that this role is for me, God, even though it's not looking like it's about to happen right now. And look at God, <laughs> it happened. <laughs> 
It is a very magical day when you get the yes. When you I get even, that yes. I have it framed now. I have, I never threw that piece of paper away. I was like, God, look at that. That is fate right there. And I, I literally have it framed now as a piece of like artwork on my wall. Cause I, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> when the, the really fun thing about playing a character over many, you know, in, in their own little mini arcs over many episodes is that I feel like you learn from this character all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, you think you're there to kind of guide and it's really fun where all of a sudden you're within the role and within a scene and like something clicks. I, I had this experience where something would click and I, it would like the character in the scene would be teaching me something that I needed to yes. hear within my life. Oh, is yes. there a specific scene or a moment that Janelle has taught you something in, in these two seasons? I would definitely say she, to me, Janelle is very brave. And the reason why I am inspired by her courage, I think it takes so much courage to leave all that you know and go live in another foreign country for five years. Like she left all she knew in Oakland and went to live in Bali for five years. And to me, that's something really inspiring because I want to travel. That's something I really want. I want to see the world so badly. Even when I was a little girl, I, I just lived in like, you know, I lived in the hood of Sacramento and I was like, God, there has got to be more to life than just this, Jesus, please. So, you know, I, I just, I, I, I want to see the world. I want to see how other people worship God. I want to try other people's food. I want to immerse myself in other people's cult. You know, like I, I just, I want to live life. And that is something to me that I find just so inspiring and that Janelle has taught me to really just be more free. I feel like Janelle is very free. Like for her to come back to Oakland, her hair is all locked, you know, and everything. And she it's just even she's like quoting like these kind of really spiritual quotes. And it's like she's into deep meditation. She's into micro dosing. You know, she took the girls. Like Janelle is like not what you would typically or what you would think that you wouldn't typically see in a black woman from Oakland, you know? And that's something that I love so much about her, that brown and black girls are looking at a woman like Janelle who they can relate to and then who also they could possibly be inspired by. That this woman, you know, I think people are shocked who Mustafa was. People were not expecting that Janelle like her little Asian persuasion, okay? <laughs> like, you know, but I don't think people were, did you hear the name Mustafa? Like people create, you know, stereotypes. Like yeah. we live in that type of world. And I love that Janelle breaks down a lot of those stereotypes, especially when it comes to like darker or brown skinned black women. And I, I'm very grateful to play a role like that. And Janelle is inspiring to me. So I hope she inspires other people. <laughs> well, I think anyone listening to our interview today is definitely feeling inspired oh, and yeah. cannot wait to watch. Everyone go watch Blind Spotting. Yes, Both seasons are right now. Stars. Candace, I, I mean, you are one in a million. That oh. That is undeniable. And I'm just so excited to be cheering you on in your career and watching you just soar and soar and soar higher and higher in your journey. I love to do a little cool down at every interview, just kind Ooh. of a final five little questions. And just you can answer with the first thing that pops into your head. It can be a word or a sentence. But what is something that you like? Tea. Tea? What kind of tea? English breakfast. Really? It's like my favorite. I drink... (laughs) 
<laughs> I probably drink too much tea, but I drink at least maybe two to three cups of English breakfast oh, tea. God. I want to be a tea drinker. Like I have so oh. many, so much tea. I do like the dumb thing where I'm like, I, I'm going to be a tea drinker. I need to get off the caffeine. And then I'll like collect a box and it'll be like five years expired. And I'm just staring at it being oh. like, I can't throw it away because I have to be a tea drinker. See, if I was at your house and you just had all that tea, I'd be like, listen, Candace, Perfect. can I have this? Are you going to drink? Perfect. I'll keep it just in case. Okay. Something <laughs> that you know. Something that I know, my purpose. Something that you hate. People who don't take accountability, mm. who just are victims, like you just blame, take accountability, heal, just mm-hmm. do the work, yes. okay? be a better human. You just got to do yes. the work. We all got heal. issues. We all got trauma. We all got, trust me, we all got it. So no judgment, but you got to do the work. Like yes. it's not everybody's fault. It can be yes. everyone's fault. Take accountability. Please. I love that. I needed to hear that today. Thank you. That's perfectly said. Thank you. I was going to say heal. Yes, heal. Josh. What is something that you love? Jesus. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I love so much. I, I love being alive. I'm grateful for breath in my body. I love people. I love the babies. I, I love a lot. Like I said, I got a lot of emotions. So I just, Yeah. I love love. I love love. Yes. Okay. And last (laughs) but not least, Candace, what is a quirky little fact about you? Oh, (laughs) I can't believe I'm about to share this. Because my friends be like, like, Candace, what the heck? So I have this weird, I have this weird thing that, no, if you were to come to my house, I have like stacks of like toothbrushes. Really? Like cats of two, because I can't use the same two. I change, I change out my toothbrush. Like my toothbrushes don't even make it a week. <gasps> that I mean, I I respect that. I mean, it is because I can't. I can't. I, get I don't it. know why. Like in my mind, I'm just like, oh no, this one's dirty now. I get it. I get. It. I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> I, I, I get it. I, I truly get it. I don't change my toothbrushes that often, but like I pretend that that's not it. Like I don't ask myself why I should. You know what I yeah. mean? Which I think you're just asking the appropriate question. Like, should we be putting this plastic stick of bristles that takes all of the gunk out of our teeth back into our mouth after we've thrown it into a suitcase and a toiletry right, bag? Exactly. It's, or just yeah. sitting out. You know or how you sitting out. Oh yeah. And then the air and the dust, dust part, particles. I'm like, oh, no. I, yeah. Yeah. I need to switch it out. Or I can give you another one that because my friends always make fun of me. In fact, I'm gonna just tell you. Oh my god! Always they make fun of me, but now they do it too. Since college, I always have my own TC English breakfast. <laughs> but everywhere I go, so my friends would be like, "I'd be like, oh, I'm about to get a cup of tea." They'd be like, "Candace, you're about to get a cup of hot water." Because I go, oh to serve, my god, and I just get the hot water because it's I always free. Look. By the I way, I even buy their tea. See, I got oh, Starbucks. that's amazing. I just buy, to me, it makes more sense. It's more cost efficient. If I buy a box of tea, that's like three to five dollars as, as opposed to spending three to five dollars every day. Yeah. 
multiple times a day mm-hmm. for a cup of tea. So, well, I'm surprised all the Brits of LA kidding. haven't found you and like just been like, because anytime I've been friends with anyone who's English in like anywhere and like they've been over at my house for like a dinner party or something like that. They're like, but where's the tea? And I'm like, I don't know. Do you want like a chamomile or a nighty night time tea or like, and they're like, no, I want like real tea. And I was like, I don't know what that means. So like, I got um, coffee. You want an espresso? Yeah. So to all, to all the Brits, all the English in, in LA, just go find Candace. She's got the good tea for you. Candace, thank you so much. This is so, so lovely. It is so nice to meet you. I really hope our paths cross at some point in real life in the world. Oh my God. From your mouth to God's ears. I will be waiting to you. Let's 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 manifest. I love that. Yes, I know. I'm like. (laughs) anytime even over the weekend someone was like so what are you working on now I'm like I'm here and I'm alive and I'm breathing today that is what I'm working on right now because we're in a writer strike and I'm not or I hate about when it. people and I understand I know they mean well but when people are like oh this is a season of rest I'm like listen no no I have waited my whole life I don't want to I like I uh-huh. I, I, I know I'm weird but I genuinely love to work I want yeah. to work I want to be overwhelmed because I'm so busy Yep. I love that, you know? So I'm just like, God, no, I'm... <sighs> I feel ya. <laughs> A Super Bloom podcast is hosted by me, Candace King, produced by Melissa D. Monts and Diamond Imprint Productions, edited by Diane Kang, post-production sound by Coco Lawrence, and advertising partnership with Acast. <laughs>